What a gift it is to get to gather as God's people in this place. And, and there are other times uh, when we, we, we have the opportunity to gather, we want to take advantage of it. It's been a while since we've been able to get the entire church together. And I don't know that we will, but we're going to try. At the end of September, on a Sunday evening, uh, we're going to get together and uh, around five o'clock, we're going to kind of come in here and we're going to talk about what a privilege it is to be living hope, what it means to be living hope. And then we're going to go outside and there's going to be food trucks and lots of fun and rumors. There's going to be some fireworks. And so we're really looking forward to having a, a great time. We, we are designing a t-shirt, a new I Am Living Hope t-shirt, and we're going to be giving those away to those who register for the event. So you go to our website, you register, you let us know uh, your size, and uh, we'll get it to you. You'll get it that night. And if you don't register by September 14th, you're not going to get one. And I don't know how to say it any more direct than that. That's just how it is. All right. So you register, you get one. You don't register, you don't get one. You know, it's just, it's just how, it's how it's going to be. Uh, we are so happy though to get to, to gather. If you're a college student, we're so glad that you're here and I want to meet you. If I've not met you before, please hang back afterward. I'd love just to, to say hey to you. We also have a tent set up out front just to have a way to uh, meet you guys and help you all get connected in the life of living hope. Uh, we're in a series right now, so you've started to come in a great time. It's just the second part uh, of this series, and we're talking about thriving. That's our theme for the year, thriving. We're talking about thriving in God's will. And what we are understanding is that in order to know God's specific will for our individual lives, we have to be walking in God's general will. And that is revealed in God's word very, very specifically. And there's lots of ways to describe it. There's, there's lots of ways to go at it. But here's how we do it at Living Hope. We use the disciples' cross. At the heart, we gather for worship. We equip for growth, we make more disciples, we serve the church and world, and we connect in groups. Each one of those are fundamental to what it means to live in God's will. It's not enough that you do one. We are to do all five and to be disciples who are growing in Christ and living out God's will in the world. This is God's will. And when we are doing this generally, when we're walking in God's general will, it's there that we discover God's specific will for our life. Now, last week, we were talking about being equipped to go and make disciples. We had a two for one, if you will, uh, kind of Sunday. And we, we talked about two of these aspects. And here we are, uh, a week later, we're seeing the importance of, of our mission. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus and to share the love that he has so that hearts can be transformed by his grace. What we know as Christians and what, what we understand our mission is not is to try to change people from the outside in. What we're seeing in Afghanistan is our people trying to be controlled uh, from the outside in. And so for 20 years, and there are people that are just shocked, after 20 years, they can't believe that they haven't changed. Here's what you can know. When you're working from the outside in, the change only lasts so long as the motivation is there. And it may be money, it may be something else, but once the motivation is removed, the change ceases to exist. But when a heart is changed, when a heart is transformed, that person is changed forever. And as Christians, it is not our goal to change society. It's not our goal to create social change. 
Our goal is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who know his love and share his love and spread his love throughout all the world. As disciples of Jesus Christ, it's our mission to spread the love of God throughout the whole world. And where there is a nation that is driven by love, you will find a nation that is thriving and there is no greater love than the love of Jesus Christ. It says in John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. God has called us, he equips us to go and make disciples who are able to share this love. And, and having shared it, having gone out and spread it, God calls us to tap out, to tap out and to, and to come back home and to be refreshed and instructed anew so that we can get back out. You know, football season has started, at least at the high school level, and I'm loving it. Man, as I, I just love football. I love what it does for, for uh, people and young men, and, and it's just so much fun. But I do want to explain something. There's some confusion. When you see a player on the football field and, and he's tapping his helmet, he's not testing to see if it works. That's not what's happening right there. What he's saying is, I need out of the game. He's literally tapping out. And there's sometimes you'll see him tapping, looking at his coach, and the coach is like, you're fine, rub some dirt on it, just stay in there. Other times, you see a smart coach, and he's like, hey, we got to get somebody in there. Get, get him out of there. You know, when the player comes running off, what do they go look for? Water. Give me some water. Water. If you're, if you're in Denver and you're from Florida, you're looking for water and oxygen, right? You're just, you're trying. I got to rest, rest. And so you get the drink, you're drinking. And then lo and behold, before you know it, your coach is in your area. All right, let me tell you what's going on out there. Let me tell you what we got to have from you. So there's refreshment and then there's instruction so you can get back out on the field. And see, that's what we do when we gather for worship. First of all, there's refreshment as we praise God. As we pray together, our spirits are refreshed in the truth of the promises of God's word, which prepares us for the instruction, which is what we're getting now, so that we can then go out into the world, so that we can go and be disciples of Jesus Christ to make disciples. And so our text today challenges us to tap out every Sunday to tap out from the world and to gather on the sidelines with God's people in the Lord's house to be refreshed and instructed to worship God. All people worship. Every person on the planet worships. And whatever it is we choose to worship, that defines us, it inspires us, it drives how we live and what it is we live for. So it's, it's very, very important to understand what we worship. And again, we all worship. And whatever you're worshiping, that's driving your life. Someone has said, show me what you worship and I can show you your future. Because what you worship defines you. It drives your behavior. It determines your values. It, it is crucial to your existence and everybody worships. St. Augustine said this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are rest, restless until they rest in you. You need to understand, if you're not worshiping the God of the Bible, who is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if you're not worshiping the Father in the grace of Jesus by the power of the Spirit, you are worshiping, but you're worshiping what the Bible calls an idol. An idol is any created thing 
that holds primacy in your affections and drives your behaviors. What it typically does is it promises one of four things, power, pleasure, popularity, or possessions. And if you're honest, some of you here, you're here in God's house, but he's not, he's not your, your true worship. Your true worship is a created thing. It's, it's something, something of this world that drives your behaviors, that drives your hopes and dreams. Now, you need to understand, those idols will give you some hope, some hope. You need to understand that it's dying hope. It's a hope that will not sustain you. It will not last as long as your soul. You are an eternal being. And whatever you're worshiping and whatever you're living for, has got to be eternal and glorious and good. And I can promise you, if that is not Jesus Christ, then whatever it is, is going to spoil or fade or be stolen or die. And with it, your hope. But what God gives us in Jesus Christ is a living hope. A hope that never spoils, that never fades, that lasts as long as God and will provide for us all the days of our lives. And so for the Christian And for really all human beings, worship, worship is a way of life. What drives the worship of a Christ follower is the Lord God Almighty. He inspires, fuels, trains us every Sunday as the church gathers. And what we're going to see in our text today is why the worship of the God of the Bible is so crucial. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 19 through 25. Hebrews is in the latter part of the Bible. It's in the latter part of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Emmy's going to come read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word as she reads our text. Again, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Emmy, read that for us. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he open for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast confession of our hope without wavering for who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all is more as you see the day drawing near. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. The book of Hebrews is uh, crucial for the canon of the Bible, um, not only because it's God's word and it's transformational, but it's also, it's a, tra- it's a transitional text. What it's doing, it's explaining to us the purpose of the Old Testament and translating for us what it means now for the New Testament. We, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. There's a, there's a lot of good guesses out there, but we won't know until we get to heaven. It's one of the questions that I can't wait to hear about in heaven. Who wrote it? Who, who did they write it to? We, we know that, that he, the writer wrote to Jews, to Hebrews, but we don't know exactly where the letter went. Now, the reason for the letter is clear. There were Hebrews 
Jews who were Christians, but now were rejecting Christ. And what they were seeking to do was to go back to the form of life that they had before as simply Jews. They were giving up the worship of Jesus and exchanging it and going back to something lesser. Uh, that, that is something that may be happening in your life today. You, you are seeing things in the world. It, it may be not that you're going back to Judaism, to temple worship, but you're going back to something that is far less than Christ. And so this, this letter, this book was written to encourage Christians to remain faithful to Christ and to worship him. And, and it helps us to understand a lot of things. It helps us understand the importance of worship. We were made to glorify God. It says in Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now these Hebrews that were rejecting Christ, they were being reminded, listen, worship is crucial. And who you worship, how you worship, it's important for your own soul, for your own life. And, and the, the meaning that God alone can bring to it, so long as you are walking in his will. And, and in doing this and pointing to the importance of worship, they pointed to the purpose of the Old Testament. The purpose of the Old Testament was to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he, that is Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The Hebrew writer was telling these Hebrews, look, everything you're talking about going back to, those were the promises of the one who was to come. Don't go back to what has been fulfilled. Lean into the one who's come to fulfill all things, all the law, all the prophets, all the Psalms were pointing to Jesus Christ. And what the Hebrew writer was saying is, listen, worship is so important. And understanding the purpose of the Old Testament, pointing us now to Jesus Christ and that the way we worship in Christ fulfills the will of God. The will of God is to fill the whole world with his praise and glory. It says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 11, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Now think about, think about the difference between old covenant, old Testament worship and new covenant, new Testament worship. It's vastly different. In the old covenant, worship was at a particular place with particular regulations by a particular group. It was at the temple. There were ceremonial laws, and it was for Israelites. Now that Christ has come, worship, worship is wherever the church gathers. It is in the name and to the praise and to the glory of Jesus Christ. And it is to go, this worship is not to be in a location. It is to go to all the places of the planet to fill the world with the glory of God. The Old Testament was pointing to Jesus Christ, 
who would die for the sins of the world and gather a people to himself who that would be then sent into all the world to, to rally worshipers who would gather in his name, be restored and renewed, and then go out again. That's why we're described in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. New Testament, is, New Testament worship is crucial to the will of God. We are to gather as God's people to, to re- receive refreshment with the word and instruction from the word and to then go out into the world and to spread the good news of God so others can know and so others can gather. And when they gather, they don't gather with one particular language. They don't gather with one particular method. No, no, no. The gospel goes out and saves people of all tongues, of all nations, so that they can then worship the one true God in their language, in their customs, in the music that makes sense to them. That, that's why we here living, you know, our, our music changes. The things we do, they change because culture changes. We're not trying to be cultural. We're trying to be Christ-like to the culture. So that what we sing and what we say makes sense to those we're communicating, makes sense to us as we bring glory and praise and honor to our God. And what we see in our text is what happens. It's what happens to those who glorify God and and gather for worship. So take note of these three things. First, those who glorify God by gathering for worship are able to renew hope. They're able to renew hope in God. Christ. Now, if you'll look at verses 19 through 23, that is our hope. It's described succinctly and beautiful. Beautifully. This is acceptable worship. It's done to the praise of the Father in the name of Jesus by the Spirit. And it is by Jesus, by, by what He has done, that we have access to the Father and are empowered by the Spirit. This, this access has come as you'll see in the, as you see in the text, at, at a great price to God. This access is a great gift to us who believe. It, it gives us confidence to come to God. Look at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Look at verse 20. This is huge. You might want to underline this. By this new and living way. It's not the old way. It's not a dead way. It's not with the blood of animals. It's a living way through the resurrected God, Jesus Christ, by this new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Friends, this is the gospel. One of the things that's exciting is how the three circles is now uh, being used worldwide. And one of the things that uh, they're doing is they're now using pictures to describe the three circles. And so when you, when you look at that, you can see the heart is God's design. You see the one running away from the heart, which is that's sin. You see the brokenness. You see the one repenting and believing uh, on his knees, but then look at the one for the gospel. Look at that circle. What a beautiful way to describe the gospel, an arrow down a cross and an arrow up. Think about how that describes the gospel. The gospel is the fact that God himself left heaven and came down to earth to live in the flesh. And he lived a holy life. 
And then the cross, he died for our sins because the wages of sin is death. And because of his great love for us, Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin. And then on the third day, he was raised. He's now ascended. He's now at the right hand of God. And that is the gospel. And that good news has come to us at a great cost to God. And it gives us the confidence because we know the Savior who died for us and loved us is there. And and we have access. And it makes Jesus our perfect mediator. Look at verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus Christ is the priest. I'm not your priest. Good news. I'm just your preacher. You have, you and I who believe we have a priest, Jesus Christ, he's mediating between us and God the Father. And we're able to know that he hears us and with confidence we can come to his throne because we come in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that has given us life. And we have this assurance of our faith. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We're able to gather for worship. We can be renewed in this hope in Christ because Christ has provided our salvation. And friends, we're so prone to wander. Don't you feel it? Prone to leave the God you love. And without these gatherings, we're we're gonna forget. We can't help it. We, we are forgetful people. I know I'm forgetful. You know, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you honestly, he's 99% perfect. And then if you ask her, well, what's the 1% that's missing? She'll tell you. That 1% is he forgets to do the 99%, which means he's not very good. If you do the math, that's a big zero is what she's saying. I'm a forgetful person and I know that. So you know what I do? I put stuff around me that reminds me that God has been that God is, and that God will be faithful. Every day when I go into my office, I I, I see things and I look at them. Like for instance, there's there's this artwork that has my mission on it. 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. That's my mission. I see it every day. I see those three degrees. You see them to the left there. I didn't pay a dime for any of those degrees. Now I took every one of the tests. I did all the work. All of that was provided for for me by God. And you know what I'm reminded of? This is God's work. This is God's provision. I'm here today. On the other side of my office, there are books, a mountain of books. And and those are just the books that I'm sentimental about. I've got more electronically. I've given more away than than I can care to count. And and I've got these wonderful reminders. Now I've got, you see the, um, you see the one, the thing hanging up to the right, the picture celebrating the 20th anniversary from a couple of weeks ago, everyday reminder. God's been faithful for 20 years. And then I've got all these things that y'all have given me to remind me that I'm loved. I've got these reminders that God has provided. He's given me a mission. He's given me an education. He's given me study tools. He's given me people to love that love me. And then when I sit down to study God's word and prepare, this is what it looks like. I've got my computer and a big honking screen to the praise of God. I don't need no man cave. I got a study cave. And I got all my Greek and Hebrew and etymology and history and all that 22,000 books because of your provision, because of of, of the opportunity for me to serve. And you you know what that does for me? Every day, it reminds me God has been, God is, God will be faithful. 
And when we gather for worship, that's what we're here to remember. God has been, God is, God will be faithful around us. Not not only in the songs that we sing, not only in the, the word that is preached, but friends, around you this morning, I don't know if you've taken the time to notice, are trophies of grace. All around you are former sinners who were on their way to hell, who have been made saints by the blood of Jesus, who are now citizens of heaven and will soon be found in the halls of heaven. That's a pretty big deal. Don't know if you noticed that or not. Don't know if you took the time to see that or not. See, what you can do easily is, is in, you know, some, some you know, kind of do, they kind of show up and they're here. They're dressed up. They're not really tuned into what's going on. Like, for instance, last night, I, I saw some pictures on social media that there were kids that had gone to high school games and they'd gotten all dressed up. They were painted. They had crazy stuff on and they were screaming and yelling. But you know what? Some of those children were asked, hey, how'd the game go? And you know what they honestly said? I don't know. And so you ask yourself, well, well, who did they play? I don't know. Enthusiastically, I don't know. Did you see anything good on the field? I don't don't think so. I I don't think I did. I don't know. I just don't know. Why were you there? You got all dressed up. For what? And I think sometimes it would be a good question to ask the church people. Why are you here? Why, Why did you get all dressed up and come? Do you know what the sermon was about today? All right, here's a little quiz. Do you know what the text of the sermon for today is? Do you know what the series of the sermon series we're in? And some of you are like, we're in a series? This is exciting. Friends, pay attention to what's going on. Participate in what's going on. And, and engage in what, in what the good that God is doing here. And as you do that, you'll stir one another up. See, that's the second thing. Those who glorify God by gathering for worship are able to stir up saints in Christ. I love that word, stir up. Look at it in verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This, this uh, Greek word, paroxysmos, it's, it's translated here, stir up. NIV, I think it's provoke. Um, uh, uh, the, the Pettus version I haven't written yet is going to be hype. To hype each other up. You know, there are now on a lot of teams, there's the hype man, the hype woman. They just, they're just hype. They just, whoo! That's what they do. They're just fired up to be alive. And they go to the team and they're just there. They're just hyping them up. And you know, that can be a very positive thing. And that's what we're supposed to, we're supposed to hype each other up, to stir each other up. You know, one of the best ways we do that is just by showing up. Do you know that when you're here, what you're saying to me and to many others is, this is important, this matters. When you participate in praise, when you lift up your voice, when you, when you pray, when you earnestly pray, you know what you're communicating to everybody? This is, this is real. This is happening. We're... we're We're talking to God. We're praising the one true God. And when we not only listen, but go and obey, what we're saying is this is true and and, and it's actual, it's happening and it matters. But when you don't show up, when you don't engage, 
when you don't live what you've learned, what you're saying is, this doesn't matter. And my idol is better. And you're, you're saying something I don't think you want to say, that Christ is not worthy. Friends, Christ is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our obedience. He's worthy of our trust. And we need to hype up each other about this truth. Stir one another up towards this love and this good works that God has called us to do. And in the process, encourage. So write it down thirdly. Those who glorify God by gathering for worship are able to encourage faithfulness in Christ. Verse 25, this thing's loaded. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of, of, of teaching on this. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit. We're going to come back to that word habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the, now you see that word, the day. Notice it's capitalized. It's a reason for that. I want to talk about that for just a moment. The day drawing near. First of all, this whole idea of habit. What we choose to make as a habit is important. Friends, let me say this very clearly. You are not a victim of your habits. You are not a victim of your habits. We all choose our habits. We choose them. We're not victims of them. We choose them. In the book, The Power of Habit, uh, the author says, your habits are what you choose them to be. We all choose our habits based on what we're willing to sacrifice. Now, sadly, bad habits typically come because we sacrifice long-term benefits for short-term satisfaction. We eat bad because we want the short-term pleasure more than we want the long-term benefit of health. We don't exercise because we want the short-term comfort and give up the long-term benefit of health. We don't gather for worship because we want the seemingly short-term benefit of something more than we want the blessing of the long-term benefit of God. God calls us to choose the habit of gathering for worship to encourage one another to be faithful to God in light of the long-term reality of the day. You see it again? The day drawing near. Now, what is the day? Capital D. First of all, the day is the day Jesus comes back. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. Friends, every every single one of us, every person, we're going to have to give an account to God for our life. We're going to face judgment. You know, when I was a student, I used to drive my professors crazy because I had the same question over and over again. Actually, actually, it was a series of questions that came from the fundamental question. Will we be tested on this? 
Is this going to be on the test? Second question, when is the test? And is there a study guide for the test? I asked all the time, is this going to be on the test or are you just talking? Because I'm going to write it if it's on the test. If it's not, I'm not, I don't think you're that, you know. Is this on the test? Will it be on the study guide? And when is the test? All right, I'm going to give you a heads up. There will be a test at your death. What will be held in question is the condition of your soul. Here's the study guide. Let me give you a heads up about what it says. It says that you were born a sinner, but that God, because he loved you with an everlasting love, died to take the punishment for your sin. And if you will repent and receive his forgiveness and the leadership that he gives for your life, then you will be saved. So the test is a condition of your soul. We're all born sinners. But for those of us who've repented and believed in Jesus Christ, we've been made saints. And so we look forward to the coming of the return of Christ. We look forward to the day that we stand before God because we will not stand alone. This will be the day when all the nations of God's people gather. It says in Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. One day, People from all nations and languages will gather on that day and we will worship God. I'm mindful every time I go overseas and when I'm coming back home, I look in the faces of the people I've been serving with that I'll believe. I think about translators in India and China. I think about people in villages in Africa that I can't get to them anymore. We can't get to them anymore. If we go there, we'll be immediately killed because of the conditions of of the Islamic terror and tyranny that are there now. But here's what I know. I, I won't see them in this lifetime. But on that day, I will see their faces and we will praise our God and we will remember that he was faithful, that he is faithful and that he will be faithful forevermore. We will celebrate his goodness and his grace and his power that has been at work in our lives and we will celebrate, we will celebrate the goodness of God when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus will sing and shout the victory because on the day the whole world will be transformed Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea when Christ returns 
the old heaven and the old earth will pass away. All the idols that have been dependent upon will burn. There will be nothing left of them. And those who hoped in them, worshipped them, trusted in them, they will live eternally under the wrath of God, separated from the love of God. They will live in the presence of God, but it will be in the righteous justice of God, not in the gracious mercy and love that those who've received Christ receive. And we will be with the Lord forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I cannot help but know that there are some who stand in, in danger today because they are far from you. But Lord, you are, you're a gracious God. If they will but repent and believe in your sacrifice and receive your lordship and leadership in their life, they will be saved. God, some of your children are not faithful, but Lord, if they will repent and renew commitment, they will be made strong. And Lord, there are many of us today who have needs. You see, you know, you care. We only need to come to you in the name of Jesus and ask. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you please stand? And I'm going to ask our care leaders to come forward. And as you stand there, let me ask you to do an examination of your own soul. First of all, can you point to a time that you remember when you trusted in Christ for forgiveness to be saved? Can you remember being baptized to make public profession of that salvation? If not, let me encourage you right now where you are to tell God that you know that you've sinned. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died for your sin and that you want Jesus to forgive you and take over your life and give your life to him right now and be saved. And then come and talk with one of these leaders at the front and figure out when to be baptized. Father God, I can't help but know that some of your, 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 your family is not being faithful. Right there where you are, invite the Holy Spirit to show you if there's a lack of faithfulness and you're gathering for worship and you're growing and you're giving and you're going for the glory of God. And if there is, repent and renew your commitment to Christ. And Lord God, we're so, we're so thankful that you're faithful, that you know our needs. So if you have needs this morning, tell him, tell him your, your relational needs, the peace that you need, the restoration in your marriage and your family for wisdom and knowledge and strength and courage. Ask him for healing, for health, for life, for hope. Pray it for someone else you know who needs it. Pray for them now. Ask for God's help. You are a great God. You, you give to us what we do not deserve. You pour out your blessing on your people, Lord. And so I ask today that salvation has come, that life has begun, that blessings are, are being sought, Lord, and strength is being received, that you're doing a work as those who trust in you pray. And Lord, we ask for your blessing. Bless us, God, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.